The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Knock this thing out on Thursday, October 13th. If you're listening to the podcast the day after, it's probably Friday, October 14th. However you're consuming the podcast, we appreciate it. We're live on YouTube after every primetime game from now until the end of time. Joining me to break down uh, a game, a game that occurred on a field and involved football people who profess to be football players. Uh, I would give the game a, uh, the same grade Pete Prisco gave EJ Manuel big F. Well, quickly this game or last week's Thursday night game, which one was, Uh, I would think this game over that one because expectations and like the last play was actually somewhat exciting. Yeah. I mean, I mean the second half was not miserable. I mean, they scored 19 total points, but I, I can't even disagree with that. I thought uh, this game was way more fun than last week. Last, last week's game was like fun for like seven minutes while it was like limping to overtime. Um, commanders, Washington Commanders moved to two, and both teams, the Bears and the Commanders, moved to two and four as Washington beats the Bears 12 to seven. Um, if I were to tell you, if, if you told Ron Rivera you were going to be outgained by a hundred and 75 yards, 1.7 yards per play. You're going to run 16 less plays than the Bears. Carson Wentz is going to go 12 of 22 for 99 yards, no touchdowns, and somehow no interceptions. Do you think Ron Rivera is chalking this up as a W or an L? I think Ron Rivera is wondering still why he had to release a statement today defending the the idea of trading for Carson And he's also not even letting you finish your question because he's resigning as you're finishing it. So that he doesn't have to work for Dan Snyder. Um, I'll say this in Carson Wentz's defense, uh, as Debo has moved on to to greener pastures, so he can't do it. Right. I thought he played better than twelve of twenty two for ninety nine yards. Yeah, I was surprised by that. And if you, oh God, I can't. Best block it, of the game. A fantastic block. Um, 
and you know maybe his future is is a Tim T is is a Tim Tebow tight end. But if you compare the the stat lines for the two quarterbacks, and you had to guess just based on watching the game with no sound or, or no you know stats or or scoreboard, you would probably think that Wentz had Justin Fields' numbers and vice versa because Justin Fields probably got hit. Well, how many times he, he dropped? He had twenty seven attempts. He got hit twenty seven times, and twenty five of those times he needed help by his teammates to get him up off the turf. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised that Justin Fields didn't have any. At no point did he have a um, independent neurologist check him out because I mean he was taking some big hits, some low. He hits. needed an independent body blow specialist to check him out because he got everything he took was like, it felt like it was below the below the waist. Um, so I, I think that the Washington is probably just bad, um, and, and the Bears are probably not good. Uh, but the bigger concern for me with the Bears is what the, the schematic approach they took with Justin Fields in this game, and that you would have Justin Fields, who is an incredible athlete, just sitting back in the pocket trying to read the, this Washington defense, and and he didn't do a very good job of it. You know, he had the what the touchdown pass, and then the uh, you know he, he had some scrambles and. Yeah, a huge play to get down to the goal line. They didn't. Come and real out. quick, the touchdown pass obviously a good throw, but it came on a twelve man on the field where there was no risk for him. You know, so like there's a free play, free play. So you're a little, you let loose a little bit more on a play like that, and, and maybe you should you tell know, him there's always twelve men on the field because he plays very conservatively. And I watched one I like television, that. just a regular broadcast. The other television was the uh, prime time all twenty two or whatever. So you could sort of see early on he missed a lot of open receivers and he took a lot of hits. Kirk. Kirk Herbstreet talked about that early in the, in the broadcast. And then other times guys just weren't open. And then, you know, Luke Getze, the offense coordinator who previously green Bay, is that right? I believe. Yeah. He's the tight ends coach. Maybe the, uh, and I think this was talked about on Twitter. I don't know if Herbstreet mentioned it or not, but to your point, Brinson, it's like a square peg round hole situation. QB, QB coach, excuse me. With like, why, why are we trying to fit Justin Fields into the scheme? Why don't we fit the scheme? to Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson style. Like, what, what are we doing? We're overthinking. I think we found someone who's actually worse at their job than make Canada, so that makes me feel good as a Steelers fan, but I, I'm sure it doesn't make Justin Fields feel any better. Or Bears like fans. Or Bears fans. It feels like he's being grossly mismanaged. Well, I mean, didn't it feel like Matt Nagy all over again? Well, I don't want to put that on Getsy just yet, but I will say I'm sure part of it is it's Fields because he doesn't look great. But then again, Trevor Lawrence doesn't look great. Trey Lance got hurt. We don't know. Mac Jones has been up and down. So it's still too early to to cast aspersions. But you would uh, imagine that Trevor Lawrence feels like he's in a much better situation with Doug Peterson. Mac right. Jones is in a better situation, even though, you know, he got what's his face calling the plays. But last year, the offense looked certainly much better. And Justin Fields looks like he doesn't have a chance. The offensive line stinks. As you know, they're, they're not trying to get him – uh, use his legs on design runs. Like Carson Wentz had more design runs than, than Justin Fields in this game. Yeah, it's 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 kind of unfathomable that they don't use his legs. Or, I mean, and I, I know we don't want to cut the field in half or whatever, but roll him out and give him more. They did roll him out. Absolutely. I mean, that's fine. And he had some success in those plays. Reads. Like, I mean, clearly he's not re- – and look, his offensive line is is not very good. But, like, you know, that first um, 
he was standing there. He had a lot of protection on one of those early ones. He just it wouldn't let it rip. Like he just no. he's, he's not seeing the field very well. Well, and the other part of that is literally on every single one of those in the first half, Kirk Herbstreit made sure to point it out. He was stopping the game like, look, here's three receivers Justin Fields could have hit if he had mm-hmm. paid any attention or if, or if he felt comfortable making a real NFL throw. He's got to realize a guy who's only open by eight inches is open in the NFL. And we heard uh, Jay Gruden has said that thing, same thing about Kirk Cousins a few years ago, that you're waiting for him to get open by however they were getting open in college or in practice. And that doesn't happen in the NFL. If they're open by a foot, if they're open by eight inches, 10 inches, they're open. You got to get the ball there. And it seems like Fields is afraid to make those throws a lot of the time. Yeah, I don't know. I asked Brady about that, Brady Quinn about that a couple draft cycles ago. Just how is it that when, you know, these kids have been playing and he's seven on seven doing seven on seven forever, going back to, to eighth grade. Why can't they get through progressions? Why can't they just let it rip? And he, he goes, I don't know. If you, if we knew the answer to that, quarterback play would be a lot more consistent. So I, I don't know what the answer Like, I don't know why he's staring at someone uh, that Herbstreit pointed out early in the game in the first quarter and did, didn't just let it rip. Worst case is it gets intercepted. Who cares? You play on a terrible football team, you're trying to get better. I think it also points out that how incredibly difficult it is to judge these quarterbacks. Because I remember during this draft cycle, people were very angry that Justin Fields wasn't getting his quote unquote due, like Trevor Lawrence and to an extent Trey Lance. And people were very angry about the whole Mac Jones thing. You just don't know. Like, you don't know how this is going to work out. And, you know, I saw Roger Sherman. Is that his name? Uh, yeah, from The Ringer. He was saying how during the draft process, everything you heard about Justin Fields was that he was so incredibly accurate. And here's the thing. I just watched C.J. Stroud today, a couple games, and um, Bryce Young, too. Those guys are thrown to players who are wide-ass open. They have all five-star guys running routes. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, if he were there. Uh, we know about all the guys that that Mac Jones had and, and Bryce Young had at Alabama. It, it's a completely different game. I, I mean, yeah, they're incredibly accurate, but I mean – Breach would complete 85% of his passes because, number one, he can throw the ball 45 yards down the field, but also no one's going to touch him in the pocket. So I, I think that that's the the math you have to do, and I don't think we should be so quick to to sort of think everything's about something when, you know, something, you know, a race or whatever, when, in fact, it's just about we don't know what these quarterbacks are good or, or not good at. I will also say this. Bayless Jones, you're not helping my man. That's two fumbles in two games uh, as a returner. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset, two games in a row. You fumbled in the game last week. The ball hit you in the face late in the game. That could have been close to a, a, a fourth down conversion on a long fourth down. So he's not getting help. And Brenton, you mentioned the offensive line sucks. Uh, Broquan Smith had a great game until Carson Wentz, as someone put a, said on Twitter, uh, put him into the transfer portal, which I thought was brutal. Oh, God, that was a brutal hit. Okay, I can't believe Wentz did that. I was think nothing sums, nothing sums up the game better than the fact that the game-winning touchdown drive was six yards. That was awesome. <laughs> That's pretty good. Although it should have been 70 yards, whatever that final drive was, but Darnell Mooney, their best player, double caught the ball, which would have been a touchdown had he caught it cleanly. What are you making a face for? You don't think so, Breach? I, no, it would have been a touchdown, but I mean, it's not like it was an easy... It hit both you, his hands. Holding and the he, ball with his hands. What did you want him to do? It, I want... He, he, he had the ball in his hands, and then the ball jumped up, and then he got the ball back in his hands, and he wasn't in the end zone. <laughs> And Breach is making excuses for him. That's why the like Bengals will never win a Super I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just saying that uh, if Fields would have led him a little more to the sideline, they had, oh my he had, God. He had four more yards. Fields? He wasn't, I'm not blaming Fields. I'm saying that like he, he could have thrown well, it more to the Fields missed a ton of easy throws. That and wasn't Mooney, one of them. Mooney that was got a throw. Hit, he got hit while he was high-pointing for the ball. Like This was not easy at all. I'm not going to blame 
a receiver for trying to make an absurd catch. What do you think Darnell Moody would say? Should he have caught it? You think yes, he would, he would absolutely say that. Why do we have these, what, somebody's got to have a weird stance. Yeah, like every podcast, like, like this is like Breach's Hill. I will die on this hill right now, Brinson. That's a weird one. I thought you'd be more excited about uh, Tressway punting the ball 87 times and his leg not coming off. You know, here's what I wasn't excited about was what the Bears did, not even in the red zone, inside the 10-yard line. Three possessions, three, where they had the ball inside Washington's six-yard line. They came away with zero points. They ran 11 plays on those three possessions. They called eight passes and only three runs. They're averaging the running backs. Let's not count fields because those were broken plays, and, and so... We won't say, we don't know, you know, if I'm not going to, we're not, we're only count the running backs, running backs average 6.5 yards per carry. So why are you passing the ball eight times and only running the ball three times when you just, you're running all over Washington. I don't know how a team that never throws the ball ends up throwing the ball only inside the six yard line, particularly when it's a condensed, it's a condensed space. It's, it's harder to, it's harder to complete passes there. And we'd seen Justin Fields, like, like gets you out of a great play that, uh, is it Ryan Griffin that he was going to UConn's um, own? Yeah. He, uh, it was like a little, like, uh, sort of RPO ish. And then, but like some play action incorporated in there. Is that when Fields threw into the stands? I mean, just throw it up in the air. The guy's running underneath it. It's a touchdown. Um, I mean, the bears had 21st downs so and Washington's 14, they went five of thirteen on third down, but they went. The, the, the problem is they went one of four in the in, in the one of four on fourth down, zero oh and three in the red zone, and zero oh and three on goal to go. That is just not going to work. It's You're not going to win any football games when you do. Bad ball, as the uh, people in the end crowd say. What about this? The oh, old this game, uh, game could have easily been a sneaky shootout. Yeah, uh, super sneaky. Like it, it, uh, it's been a sneaky blowout. If the Bears score on any, the Bears, I'm saying, I'm saying, if the Bears like get if they convert their goal to goes, I mean, you know, where they ran, where they ran. Um, let's see, one was the final score should have been like twenty four to seven. Still would have hit the under because Washington got a fluky touchdown and Chicago scored zero points. Not no goals, no touchdowns, no and they got the six yard line three times. All right, like, breach. It, it takes away from. Ran- I mean, they ran 11 plays and came away with zero points and a, like one interception and two turnover on downs, right? Nathaniel Hackett yeah. thinks that's pretty good, by the way, just so we're clear. He would take that. Uh, Breach, you're the special teams guru on this podcast because no one else wants that stupid job. Uh, no. Tell me what you think about this. Fourth quarter, just under two minutes to go. Fourth and four from the plus 30-yard line, up five points, and your Washington Commodores kick and Joey Slide hooks one i would have kicked it i yeah. like i get going for it because the bears didn't have any timeouts and what about punting like you know how bad, that, how bad that that the offenses have been on both sides what I, I mean that's like one of the times where i think punting sounds stupid from from the plus 30 i don't hate it yeah i mean i just feel like you kick the field goal then there's no way you can lose in regulation at, at the minimum not only do have the bears have to drive and score a touchdown but they also have to get the two-point conversion so the yeah. success rate, according to Ben Bot, for the forty-six yarder, I think is what it was, seventy-one percent. What was it? Forty-eight. Forty-eight yarder was seventy-one percent. To go for it on fourth and four is forty-five percent, um, and it was pretty even in terms of whether you should go for it or kick the field goal. Uh, again, oh, what, was I, the, what was the punt recommendation? There was <laughs> not one. I was looking for it. Like this, I, just, I mean, I, I would not have had a problem at all if they punted. Herbstreit was talking about it. Like you're 
your defense isn't very good, but that offense, you you don't feel like they're going to go 95 or. It 90 took yards. a Justin Fields 36 yard run to the end to get inside the five yard line, and yeah. he was he was freelancing and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, make him go further. They had um, no timeouts left at that point. So, I mean, I get kicking the field goal, I guess, but. 40, I mean, 48 yarder in Chicago, like it's weird because you're on the Chicago 38. And if you pump from there, you feel like such a coward. And if you know Chicago 30, <laughs> Oh, it was the Chicago. Oh, you're right. It was the Chicago 30. My goodness gracious. Yeah. you. I think uh, that's where you almost wish you were at midfield. <laughs> right. That Maybe that's like who, who did it a few weeks ago? Uh, I can't remember who did it, but you take a delay game penalty. So you don't have to answer questions about why it was Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. It's like fourth and two, fourth and one on the goal line. And he's yep. like, uh, take it away a game so that way nobody can question me. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it, it that's like right in the tough zone where I mean, 48 in Chicago, like, is a, I mean, uh, Jerry Sly had kicked. He only kicked two field goals this year. He made them both, but they were both over 40. I'm sorry. He only, he only kicked two in. He's only kicked two field goals the entire season. Oh, oh no. Going, going, going into tonight. Yeah, wow. you don't go for it there. I'm 100. But, but he made them both. But he made them both. So it was 100. percent I would not have been. I would not have. I would have been fine if they went for it. I would have ranked it punt, go for it, field goal. Because even if you go for it and fail, unless you throw an interception like your Lamar Jackson, the ball at least you have those eight extra yards at the 30 as opposed to the 38. Yeah, yeah. But that's not if you if you go for it and you fail, you don't give them. Yeah, you're basically like forcing them to get an extra first down. Unless you Lamar Jackson and throw an interception. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Look, it was a. I thought the other thing that was a mistake too was the the Bears went for it on fourth and sixteen with three timeouts. When you do the same thing, punt. Like, well, that's when uh, Smith Marset got hit in the face mask. Like he had his hands like he's trying to catch a, a pumpkin, and the ball hit him in the face. And he fourth and sixteen, he caught it like the fourteen and a half yards down the field. So I, I mean, granted, I take your point, but it's like no one was willing to help Justin Fields tonight except for Dante. Well, I mean, even if he catches it, we don't know he gets first down because the defender is right on, but he might have broken the tackle. We don't know. But I, to so bring you're saying that, point, was a, that was a tough catch for Smith Barstow, is that what you're saying? I, I'm saying that's what it was. But he also dropped it here. I'm defending. But even if he caught it, I am saying that he's not necessarily okay. getting the first down. Yeah, he, but, yeah, he, wasn't, he wasn't 100. But to Brinson's point, that was fourth and 11, which it's fourth like, yeah, 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 you should yeah. go. No, no, hold on. Okay, okay. right, right, right. You're thinking, yeah, this makes sense. It's it's late in the game. There's 2.30 left. Probably should go for it. And they take a delay of game penalty. What are they doing? Like, it's already fourth and 11 in a horrible situation you ever want to be in, especially this late in the game and you're trailing, and you take a delay of game. Are you kidding me? And then I think at fourth and 16, I feel like you punt there too. With so, three uh, timeouts, you try and pin. Ball, ball and, uh, the Baldwin bot uh, had 18% win percentage to go for it on fourth and 11. 14% to punt there, 13% for a field goal attempt. So you go for it on fourth and 11. Once they got the delay of game penalty, it moved to 14, 14, eight. So at that point, when you got to fourth and 16, just punt it. You've got three timeouts. And, and look, they got the ball back anyway in this basically the same sort of position because they got lucky and Jerry Slide missed that field goal. But like, just punt it. Ron Rivera is going to run three times and punt it right back to you. Um, and, and then you're going to, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get your shot. I, I just, I did not like, like, no one's been doing anything on offense all night. Are you going to go for it a fourth and 16? Like, that's a hard, that's a really hard conversion. Uh, I have serious concerns about the the play calling. Uh, especially now, when, real quick, sorry to finish Princeton's point, that the uh, Bears did not have a single pass play, or, or they didn't, they had the, the long way to pass for the touchdown. Yeah. But besides that, they only had one play the entire night that went over 
16 yards. And the, the Pettis play was a free play. So again, no mm-hmm. pressure. So one play beside that, that went over 16 yards. Meanwhile, uh, Wentz had no plays over 20 yards. Well, a 17 yard to Terry McLaurin and a 16 yard, uh, 18 yard, excuse me, to Cole Turner, the third string tight end who was playing because Logan Thomas was out. And I think uh, John Bates was out with a hammy pregame. So yeah, there, there wasn't a lot. To yeah, he, uh, he hurt himself in pregame warmups, I believe. I mean, someone, I think our buddy um, Heath um, from Fantasy Football Today tweeted this out. He said, these two teams are also in the same league as the, as the Bills and the Chiefs. And, and that's that's hard to sort of wrap your head around how bad. I feel like this year there's been some truly terrible football, maybe because we've been subjected to it on Thursday night, like the last two weeks. But I feel like there are a lot of crappy football teams this year, too. Well, the, I mean, we we noted this like three weeks in. It's like there's a lot, like a lot of parity across the league. And but I don't mean like average football teams. I mean dog terrible football teams. I mean, I mean, Tom Brady talked about it. He said, "Man, he's like there is a bunch of bad." He's like, "I watch it. There's a bunch of bad football being played." I saw uh, Brandon Thorne who um, does his uh, Substack Trench War- Trent- Trench Warfare and also writes for uh, Establish the Run pointed out that there's really just no, and this is probably what the to to your point, Wilson. There's not a lot of there's like basically one or two good offensive lines right now. And yeah, so, uh, they, and guess what? They weren't playing on Thursday night, right? But like when you have a bunch of bad offensive lines, it's going to lead to a, a bunch of bad football. Like it's just, yeah. I mean, like the who's who the Chiefs and the Bills are good. Who else is good? Eagles. Don't disrespect um, Billy and Debo. Yeah, of course the Eagles are good. Sorry, I forgot. Um, but if the um, if the playoffs started today, or the draft started today, the, the Vikings would have the the thirtieth pick. Yeah, I, it's, there's not a. I mean, there's one team that's five and zero, oh and uh, I mean two. Is two Dallas four. good? I don't know. I mean, they have a really good defense. Giants, they're four and one. I mean, there's three. There's one five and zero oh team. Four, four and one teams. Everybody else is basically like, you know, right there around 500. It's going to be a really interesting playoff race because of that. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the longest touchdown drought of our lives. Next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So we mentioned bad football. Well, poor Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. They went 90, I think it was 106 minutes of game time without a touchdown. Like before Dante Pettis scored that touchdown, which by the way, that could have easily been overturned. No, well, that was a touchdown. He was juggling a little bit. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? If Roger Goodell hadn't buzzed in, he'd be like, give that, that touchdown's going to count. You uh, think it could have been over time? It looked like there was a yeah. tiny bit of movement when he got his first foot down, and then he firmly had it with the second foot down, and then his third foot went out of bounds. Preach, you're a very weird little man. Just, previous, I'm agree with Brinson. I don't I, think I, I thought I, I was. I'm, when they went, when they were coming back from commercial, I, I guess I just missed them kick the extra point. I thought they were going to be looking at it when they came back. I was surprised. Um, the previous, the previous Thursday night football touchdown was Joe Burrow to. Uh, oh man, I thought, I thought you were going to ask me, Brinson. It's a Bengals <laughs> touchdown. It was. It was the Bengals. Um, Aiden Hurst. That's double right. H. Triple H is little brother. I mean, just an outrageously he, long time without a. Who's touchdown. H? Harry. Like who, who's next, Harry? Uh, by the way, so that game three weeks ago, that was the sort of two uh, concussion, everything changed game. And maybe speaking of Roger Goodell, maybe he said, listen, we want some really boring football. I don't want anything to be controversial at all. And they went overboard for eight quarters and said, all right, no one's scoring anything. And we're going to try to literally kill people with boredom. And then <laughs> as boring as these games were supposed to be, they both went down to the final play. What Last happened last week? I can't even remember. Overtime. Overtime. Broncos, Colts, yeah. field goal. Russ Wilson going for it on fourth down instead of yep. kicking the field goal to tie. Oh, that's right. Shout out to Bre- uh, Brinson for trying to make this thing overtime with the stupid Twitter. I mean, it felt like 15-15 was coming. Brinson will it into existence. There's no way both these teams were scoring 15 points. One, I mean, maybe. I mean, the, the Joey Sly could have easily made that field goal to make it 15, and then you just got it. Like, they were one yard away or, like, five yards away. Touchdown. And- so you're telling me there's a chance. Hey, look at that. Billy found something that like is culturally relevant to me Wilson. <laughs> Breach, I guess. I always forget Breach's RH. Yeah, Come it's on. got Breach's high school haircut, so that works out. I mean, the other thing too about the like the Bears, um, I, I'm not sure why they didn't give Khalil Herbert more more carries. Like I think he and David Montgomery should basically be splitting the carries. Yeah, you know, Velas Jones Jr. you mentioned. Um like that's the no, that's the only help they got. Justin Fields this offseason. I guess they got Equinomy St. Brown and um Exactly. He's got somebody else. You know, I'm glad you said he should have gotten more carries, Brenton, because when on that final possession for the Bears, third and fourth, or third and goal from the four-yard line, the clock is stopped at 42 seconds. You are just pounding the ball, running it. You are just steamrolling the commanders. Do you think about running it? Because, you know, that play's not going to – if you don't get in – the, the play takes maybe four seconds. It's going to be fourth down if you don't get in. And you have 38 seconds to get off your next play, which is almost the same as what a play clock would be. And I just feel like the Bears automatically thought they had to throw the ball when I think they had enough time to run the ball. And if you just get two or three yards and down to the one or two yard line, then Washington has no idea what's coming on fourth down. And you can run whatever you want on fourth down because it's fourth down. So it literally doesn't matter. So you're talking, I, the, you're talking about the end of the game, obviously. End of the game, yes. Yeah. I thought they you could have run it on on the last two plays. Yes, I thought they could have run it on third or fourth down. And here's they didn't the thing: six point five carry from the running backs, and they did Here, not. Here's what I've come to realize: I don't know why it's taken me eighty five years to figure this out, but I think what makes fans so freaking angry is that when they watch something happen, not just once, but consistently over the course of three, four, five, seventeen games, and they can figure it out, 
and they still have to go to their jobs from nine to five and do all the other stuff, take the kids to soccer practice. And these people are supposed to be experts and they can't, they can't manage to, to come to that same conclusion. 80 hours a, a week, they're working on these things. It makes you wonder, are you cut out for this line of work? Because you're, you're overthinking it. And BMAC talked about this on HQ. I think I mentioned it on the last podcast. Uh, offensive coordinators are sort of egomaniacs. They, they, they want to show off. And instead of doing the right thing and just running the ball, as you know, Breach, they were, they were like the Jack Del Rio on that defense had no answers to the run game. And I'm talking about the actual run game, not Justin Fields going crazy in the backfield and then spreading downfield for 15 yards a clip. I feel like they, those two downs, third and fourth, you run it and you win the football game. They didn't even, didn't even cross their mind. Justin Fields completed barely more than 50% of his throws. It, it, it defied logic. What the, the, It's like these teams didn't understand – the Bears and, and Washington both feel like they don't understand the concept of fashioning, um, you know, their system, their setup, their choices around, you know, the personnel that they have. I mean, and I get that, you know, uh, I saw somebody in the comments mention that, you know, the Bears receivers were open and Justin Fields just needs to pull the trigger. And that's, that's, that's fine. But like, well, that's what we said earlier, that he's not doing that. He seems scared to, afraid to, or, or just afraid of throwing in the right, like, that's a Like, if he's not pulling the trigger, then you need to set up something where he is uh, more easily able to pull the trigger. Like, figure out a way to to help him out. By the way, Billy mentioned... I was mentioned say, <laughs> I thought you said, go ahead. Go ahead, then I'll mention you go ahead. comments. You go ahead. You go ahead. Billy mentions in the comments, Justin Fields' helmet interception, how bad was that? Terrible. Like he he hit uh, that dude. It felt like he hit him in the throat. And I only mentioned that. That was the early first half interception. I only mentioned that because on that last drive that Breach is alluding to, there was another pass that was knocked down that could have very easily been a run instead of trying to to throw the ball uh, out to the perimeter. So I don't know. I, I here's the thing. We've been arguing about or yelling about Justin Fields only throwing the pat the ball 88 times coming into this game. So maybe that that was part of the game plan. I still think it's okay to run the ball when that's your best option on an offense that looks truly terrible. Uh, and I also thought the the Bears kind of botched the end of the first half. Uh, they somehow completed a pass, got down to Washington's 45-yard line. The clock was stopped with five seconds left. They had one timeout. So you literally, you throw a pass to the sideline, gain like six yards. You can throw a pass to the middle of the field for six or seven yards. You can run a play in five seconds uh, and in four seconds, gain five to seven yards and give yourself a soft, uh, give yourself a shot at a field goal. Nope, they throw hail mary. So it's just like it's the same thing with the goal line plays. Then it's just like there was no forward thought from this team, which I guess is why they're two and four. But it was just amazing how badly they botched the key situations in this game. Indeed. Um, all right, real quick, uh, Ron Rivera. I'm gonna try and get this. See if I can make this work. Oh, boy. You're going to say the bad words? No, no, it's bleeped out. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) They've played their asses off. They have. They play their asses off for everybody. They come out and they show up. They work hard. All right? They don't complain. Okay? They hear all this stuff and they got to deal with it. I get that. I respect them for that because they're resilient. They come back. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I didn't want anything to do with Carson. Well, I'm guy that pulled out the sheets of paper that looked at the analytics that watched the tape in the freaking when we were at indianapolis okay and that's what pisses me off because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time i'm sorry i'm done 
Rivera stormed off after that. Um, of course, he was asked about the report in Seth Wickersham and Don Van. Did that, did that audio come through okay? Oh, yeah. Good, good, good. I uh, got the sense that Ron was not happy. We should have gotten rid of the bleeps. <laughs> oh, this is, that, that was a CBS Sports HQ. Hashtag no bleeps. Hashtag yeah, no bleeps. Yeah, yeah. Billy's Billy's new around here. He's like, just send it to me. It's like, no, just another, hold it on my top. Right? Another <laughs> weird flex by Breach. He wants more cursing on the podcast. Uh, the um, so in in Seth Wickersham and Don Van Adams lengthy story about Dan Snyder and and why and I think I think do we want to cover anything else in the game or can we is it, we okay to pivot to this? I don't think either team is going to make a playoff run. I, I don't think. Speak for yourself. Here's um, one Super Bowl. What is this is a long story about basically, uh, you know, and and Seth and and Don know, are very well connected when it comes to uh, owners and like you know the the like league meetings. They they know people. This these are how they get these stories out there. They talk to a lot of owners, personnel people, and it's very clear in the, that there's a sense that the league wants Dan Snyder to sell, uh, sell this team and. You heard Al Michaels on the broadcast as well say, you know, he's like, this is just I have my, what's just, that? just my feeling. I think that what the league would love is for Snyder to sell the team. He's just become a major problem around the league, obviously. And, and like Al Michaels is not talking to like janitors. He ain't he talking is. out his butt. I know. Yeah. He's, I mean, no, Al, if Al Michaels is saying that on the Amazon Thursday night broadcast, he has... A reason. very good reason to believe that that's what the league wants and what the league is trying to have happen. Um, did you guys, you guys read the story today, right? Like, it's long. Well, I love that Kirk Herbstreit just went dead silent. He's like, I cover uh 90% college football. I'm not getting into this. Yeah, Peace out. yeah exactly. Um, uh, what you know, and, and one of the big things too is that it seemed like because so for better or for worse, you can if you're an NFL owner, you are not going to be frowned upon by your fellow owners for losing football games, for doing things that society would frown upon, but you will be frowned upon if you lose money. And now uh, Dan Snyder has been reported as sort of everybody kind of knew has really botched the attempt to try and get a new stadium. Um, FedEx field is the worst stadium in the league by a pretty wide margin. And you know, Washington fans don't want to go there. Um, it's the, oh my God, the media setup is miserable. The fan setup is awful too. Remember the collapsing uh, Jalen Hurts almost got killed when like, like the, the thing collapsed oh, yeah. last year. Um, point being is that it, it's, it seems like it's coming to a head dance in the story too. is like Dan Snyder's like maybe having owners and Goodell tailed by PIs and digging up dirt on all these guys and, and, you know, basically, blackmailing or is he bluffing uh what was y'all's takeaway you know any i'm just curious like takeaways from that and and or do you think it's not i mean it's hard to imagine snyder selling unless he's absolutely compelled to my takeaway is that snyder does not care that people hate him and he loves owning the team and he's always been sort of a, a lone wolf like i don't think he's like i don't know a lot about owners and, and how they circles they run it but i've had people tell me that he's sort of he's like a weird dude and like he's even yeah. among uh billionaires he's sort of like the sort of the the weird the weirdo of the bunch. So I've seen him leave like owners meetings just by himself. It's weird to me. Like he made his own money. Like he, he, like he, he earned his money in whatever line of work he was, whatever widgets he was making. And then at 34, he bought the team. And just another example of someone who's extremely successful and one walk of life being, uh, 
completely ignorant how to run a, a football team. And then on top of that, coming off as a huge douchebag, um, just based on the reports we've read and not even, we haven't even talked about all the sexual misconduct stuff going on, um, uh, on those reports that were never written down that we don't know, know how, how far and, and why those things go. So, you know, I don't know, like owner, as you know, owners are about making money. Owners are also probably up to things that we don't know about and they prefer that stuff not come out. And I, I think that has probably insulated Daniel Snyder to a large degree. Um, but you can bet your ass that there's an opportunity to make more money. And that requires Daniel Snyder getting the old boot. <laughs> 24 owners are going to vote his ass out. And I just don't think we're at that point yet. And we don't know why, but I have a guess and you know, we'll see how it goes. But the, you know, the history is full of powerful people staying in power despite the things they've done. And how many damning articles have we read about Dan Snyder without anything happening? I mean, the right. guy, I don't want to say he's Teflon. There's never been any sort of smoking gun that can take him down. He has, he, he, he paid out a sexual harassment lawsuit or he settled it. And so like he has all of these things. He had the workplace misconduct, which also involved sexual harassment. I mean, there are just all of these things that have happened either with him directly or under his watch. And absolutely nothing has changed. Maybe it's changed over the past 12 months, but, uh, it, it hasn't it, it went a long time before that happened. We're talking over 20 years. And so if he has not had to sell the team by now, unless he is literally uh, caught on camera doing something, I can't imagine he is going to be selling this team. Anytime and I think it says a whole bunch that this he could walk away with. Um, what did what did the Broncos go for? Four billion dollars or something? Yeah. Is he the sole owner? There must be partners. He bought out his minority uh, owners recently. So he can walk away. They were trying to sue him. Yeah, he can walk away with billions of dollars. But he said, "Nah." Washington is the sixth most valuable franchise. According I'm going to lean into this thing, take all the hate, bring it on. I'm going to be a pariah. He'd go retire on some island that he built out in the in the middle of the ocean if he wanted to. But he prefers to show up at this game looking like he just got pulled out from underneath the train where he'd been sleeping for two Awful. weeks. I mean, I don't know, man. It's, well, it's a, the other it's thing is, like, if you're like running an NFL franchise, it's one thing if you're like good. They never win. Like, aren't you, ask, at some point, aren't you like, just give me the four million, I'll go buy a basketball team. Let me ask you this: How much do you believe the Carson Wentz stuff in the story, based on how vehemently uh, Ron Rivera has since pushed back this evening? I think it's probably closer to a middle ground, but I, I would assume that Daniel Snyder was pushing the Wentz thing. And the and well, it, imagine this press conference if the commanders had lost. Like I feel no like way. it would have taken a different tone and I, I, you're allowed to be more defensive and more abrasive when you're coming off a win and you look smarter and Wentz didn't cost you the game. Um, and I'll 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 say you know I've been sort of saying I don't think Ron Rivera would is was not that his seat wasn't hot but that he wouldn't get fired just because he's built up so much cachet in the organization. The sense over the last couple of weeks is as they've continued to lose games. And I think that's I, I I was probably wrong there. I mean I think Daniel Snyder's reemergence and it's interesting in this piece you know you, he's not uh, supposed to be running the team though. That's what I'm saying. It's like. Um, uh, NFL spokesman declined to answer questions about whether Snyder's suspension has ended, saying in a statement that Goodell's decisions have been, quote, based on a comprehensive workplace review conducted by Beth Wilkinson and the grounds were identified in the public statements, blah, 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 blah. A league source says Goodell is operating on the premise that Snyder is still under active investigation and his limits imposed on him will continue. But it's like Snyder hasn't missed a game yet. It is like very clearly involved in like every aspect of this football team. Well, and he was supposed to give up 
obviously day-to-day control of team operations that was supposed to be handled by his wife. But even in the statement that Rivera released on Thursday after the article came out, he said, hey, I went to the Snyder's house and talked to Dan and Tanya about Carson Wentz. Well, if Dan Snyder's not supposed to be involved, maybe he needs to like go to the basement while this conversation's happening. Or maybe Ron says, hey, Tanya, why don't you come to the facility because we need to talk about this move we want to make. I mean, I mean, you're still admitting that Dan Snyder's involved when he shouldn't be involved. So, like, it, it's crazy that Roger Goodell and, and the league are trying to say, hey, we, we punished this guy. When, in fact, there's been no evidence besides the $10 million fine that he has been punished. Rich, that's called gaslighting. The, no, no. You, you um, see him out there uh, yelling and screaming at people. Don't. That's not him. That's something else. That's a figment of your imagination. And they're, the hologram. Being, from two gas- black holes right, it's the Will I Am hologram. We're being gaslit because uh, of all the other things beneath the surface that we don't yet know about. And you know, push comes to shove, we'll see if Dan's bluffing or not. But I would imagine he probably has some dirt on these guys. I thought it was funny that Jerry Jones' name came up. Like Jerry Jones, I feel like all his business is already out there. Like I think we know everything that he's done with the party bus and all the other stuff. And I, he may not care. I don't know. Um, but I don't know, man. It, it's. Rich people, well, when you're rich, you have money. You do all sorts of crazy things that poor people can't afford to do. <laughs> um, the uh, look at Eric K made it. God, Billy, what a suck up! Yeah, Billy um, knows what's up. Oh, he, Billy knows who's stuck up to now. Yeah, good job, Billy. That was um, the uh, in, in the Jerry Jones stuff in there too. It's like apparently Jerry's been kind of di- like like Dan Snyder's trying to reach out to Jerry because you know, I, I my theory has always been that Jerry loves Dan Snyder because he will do whatever Jerry tells him to do. And he's a terrible owner whose team doesn't win football games. And he's well, Chucky the doll just woke up because it sounds like he's turning on Jerry. Right, exactly. Like Jerry's not answering his calls, not helping him out. Not, and so like he's trying to do reach out. Uh, there's also a thing in here about how uh, Snyder's, Snyder's strategy is to, quote, run out the clock on the congressional and league investigations, betting that Democrats will lose control of the House in January, ending the committee's interest in his franchise, a person close to Snyder says, which is just um, like, I'm just going to filibuster – like like physically filibuster the this congressional investigation in my thing, but as um, Wicker Chairman Venata point out, the alluring factor is the question of what White Mary Jo White, the investigation who's been investigating this for nine months, what she finds about the alleged sexual assault of a woman on his plane in April two thousand nine. That could be. What about the previous sexual? But that sure. that's that's the case he had already settled. Right, but that's if they find something that he personally. Uh, committed some type of sexual assault, then that's but like, that's the allegation, though. That's that's already the allegation. That's allegedly why he settled the case. He said he settled the case because it would have been it was cheaper than going to right. court. Uh, and then there's the allegation that that he tried to pay him a, a million dollars not to interview with uh, uh, Beth Wilkinson. Well, I think there uh, when he settled that case, part of it had a gag order, so they weren't supposed to talk. But Wilkinson right. could have them break the gag order, but Snyder's legal team said no. And so that I, is got a hazy. I think my favorite part about this whole report was that um find it real quick. It's uh it's like no one from the Washington team was allowed to speak with uh with the um with 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 us on this on this on this story. However, they did refer us to a statement from multiple partners at a like a multinational law firm. Like I mean, do you have this guy should build like a thousand bucks an hour and they're writing up like statements to like defend Dan Snyder. It was crazy. Well, I mean, Dan Snyder has FU money and he's stressing the FU part of it as he goes through this process where, you know, you talk about running out the clock, you know, he he's fine with being hated. It's just a, I don't know, man. 
I hope that guy, I hope that guy can can work through his issues and find some happiness because clearly he's very unhappy and he's appears to have hurt a lot of people through the course of his ownership of the team, from the fans to the to the women that worked in that organization. Um, and I think Bridge is right. Like it doesn't matter what comes from this report from Beth Wilkinson. Ain't nothing going to change. It has to be something criminal where he actually gets arrested. Um, and and then because the owners have to be sure that their their laundry's not going to be aired out there. It's sort of like. Not to bring a bolster up, but remember when Tiger Woods ran into the to the fire hydrant yeah. and, and all the stuff that came out of that? And not nary a golfer spoke up about, oh, this is weird, because the concern was that okay, our our laundry's gonna be out there as well. And I think it's it, it's sort of just, you know, again, it's like the Illuminati stuff, all this stuff that goes on in uh, what's the Tom Cruise Nicole Kidman movie? Uh Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, it's that. It's like a bunch of eyes wide shut craziness yeah. that that random folks aren't aren't privy to, and then you're like, what in the world is going on in, in that place? And also <laughs> tying his future to running out the clock on Congress and hoping the midterms go one way or the other, just 538 runs the uh, like, you know, election projections. They have the house staying the same, a 30% chance that the Democrats win the house and the Senate, which if that happens, you know, then Snyder didn't, his plan didn't work. And so he's literally hitching his wagon to something has a 30% chance of failing. So it's just an insane plan that that's your plan. Like, you know what else uh, is insane? Thousand dollars amateur money for for a lawyer? Is that is that right? An hour? Yeah. No, that's that's. I've never paid one. That's highfalutin. Yeah, I, I feel money. like that's a pretty sizable hourly billing rate. By the way, uh, Billy just admitted that he's never seen Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, Billy hasn't seen anything. We, got, <sighs> we probably shouldn't be talking about it. Billy's not even. We're gonna have to. Watch. We're gonna have a big time off season training regimen with Billy. Uh, Brinson, by the way, Tom mentioned we'll get in the comments. Fired. HR will be calling us if we make Billy watch that. All right, Rich, quit talking for a second. Tom mentioned in the comment that uh, Billy, can you thank Brady, Billy, and, and Brinson both for the donation to the City Dogs and City Kitties? City Kitties. Tom matched it two hundred bucks. Yeah, Tom said Ooh. in his, his iTunes review that he would uh, he would match it, and so. Uh, thank you for doing that. We have the we have the Jets run the table. I hope the Jets run the Wait, table. Wait, what charity did Brady end up? <laughs> city dogs and city kitties of DC. Is that a, a New York of what? D- Washington, DC. DC. District uh, of DC. Columbia. Uh, basically, when shelters are overrun and you know they're having to euthanize the you know, various uh, dogs or cats, the uh, this, this charity and we 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 like dug through the the financial. Yeah, you know, we wanted to you know, vet it, and not you know, not like just donate like a thousand bucks to Brady. Right, right. Brits um, and beer fund. <laughs> Yeah, right. uh, shout out to one of our followers that at halftime in this game when zero touchdowns had been scored said that uh me and brinson should donate a thousand dollars every time a thursday night touchdown gets scored in october it was at zero yeah, uh, yeah. In this game. um by the way you know it's great that you guys are helping the the dogs and, and cats but brady could save a lot of money if he had said it for every win that the uh the bears pull off because he would be he'd be a richer man by the end of the season Bears well, the Jets, Jets play the Bears, I think. I think the Jets are going to win, which is bad news for Brady. Uh, this is this is one, one more thing about the Snyder thing. I love this uh, paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just do a do a <laughs> just read the whole thing, Brendan. It's like, but he's like a team spokesperson called it "quote simply ridiculous and utterly false" end quote that Snyder ever said that he could blow up the league or that the league quote can't f end quote with him or that quote the NFL is a mafia end quote or all quote all owners hate each other end quote it's like it's like he never said those specific things that's ridiculous but they like very clearly said i'm trying to think like what what who is dan snyder because he came into to the league as like a, a doughy-eyed 
guy, like a um, sort of naive young dude, 34 years old. And now he just sort of, you know, his testes dropped and all of a sudden he, he got a little chest on his hair. And now he's, he's well, in that, in that story too. They said that like when, um, he was trying to push to get FedEx fuel to get the, the, the Super Bowl. Oh, and he and, crapped all over the Bidwells. And he's just like thrashing the Bidwells for being like cheap and like, oh, it's just crazy. And that was actually three years into his ownership. So that was two, four years, 2003. So he didn't wait, wait, uh, waste much time. Clarence, by the way, in the comments says we should donate to Costanza's human fund. That's I love a human fund. <clears throat> uh, and imagine that FedEx Field has never been talked about for another Super Bowl before or since. Yeah, so that a, was like, that was it. That was his crap. window. All right. Yeah, now so it is. By the way, uh, somebody, somebody says Brady just looked under the couch cushions for change. Yeah, Brady covered the fees for the for the donation too. Like he, you know, Brady, Brady's, I credit Brady for his uh, surprisingly quick need to donate $1,000 and a willingness to do it. Now he's moving some running, money around. Uh, so it is October 14th, 2022. October 14th, 2025, Breach, does Dan Snyder own the Commodores? He owns two teams. <laughs> that's right. how crazy this no he's still gonna own them three years from now Brit Brinson uh, I'm gonna say no it ain't gonna be because he he gave it up they're gonna have to push him out yeah yeah it's gonna be because something comes out of this uh, investigation from Mary Jo White or the owners it's gonna have to be bad or the owners find out that he's been like doing you remember they somebody accused him of like like cheat like like basically like uh, embezzling off like the ticket sales and like not giving where did that, that go where did that story go i mean i'm telling you he's got dirt like, it's he's got a a laundry list of stuff he's looking to to put out there let me ask you this would you rather him hold the team in three years and then know all the dirt that he has in his little secret book or would you rather hey, he, can have the, he can have the team for 40 years if i get all that little if i get these dossiers <laughs> what do you think is like the most like i mean like oh it's gonna be crazy and it's gonna be some off the wall it's gonna be like some some steel dossier level craziness because like, like the stuff that billionaires do, exactly. And like these are like like football billionaires who, yeah. I mean, like it's I would. I, what what do we think he has on Goodell? Like what if he, what if he had like like he could prove that Goodell like Deflate Gate and uh, and Spygate like Goodell orchestrated him to take down the Patriots and Belichick like that would be fun. That would be like the the anti Patriots. Patriots. Yeah. Because like the the Browns. They were at the Browns game trying to cheat on the Bengals. Is that what it was, Breach? I can't remember the details of that. Oh, yeah, when they taped the Bengals. Yeah, they taped the Can you imagine taping the Bengals and not doing the bad bang, The Bengals were horrible. They were terrible. God, I forgot about this. Under Snyder, the team sued season ticket holders who were unable to pay during the Great Recession in the late 2000s. Hey. <laughs> I mean, he just... <laughs> it's like the economy has collapsed and Dan Snyder suing season ticket holders who just couldn't pay like the, the like, greatest financial crisis of our lifetimes. Uh, partway through the 2009 season, Snyder temporarily banned all signs for FedEx field. <laughs> it is like a little mini dictatorship too. Like you, it's, it's a, like you, you sort of walk into North Korea when you go inside the stadium. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you can't do that you can do on the outside, but Hey, the man wanted the team. He got it. And he appears to be staying there. Breach thinks so. I, I think he's staying there too. Like I don't know what would have to happen if it hasn't happened yet. What has to happen? The man's gonna have to, you know, stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. In 2004, Snyder brokered a deal with the National Park Service to remove old growth trees from the 200 feet of national parkland behind us. That was a huge. I remember that. What year was that? Yeah, it's 2004. This guy's. Un oh yeah, I was living in D.C. then. I remember that being a huge issue. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And then the workplace stuff, the financial stuff. I mean, I mean, if you're ranking the worst owners in the NFL, just being the worst people, he's got to be at the top of the list, right? I don't even know who's like who's close second. Right, like I mean, I was I was running the Panthers and like Jimmy Haslam's terrible too, but like Dan Snyder, like not only does his team suck, like he does just everything, uh, just flaunting it uh, in in the faces. Possum moves, like, exactly. Moves, he'll outlast us at CBS, hundred percent. Cockroaches, baby. All he's right, gonna, he's gonna buy each. He's gonna buy the Pick Six podcast just to fire Brinson. That's fine. Bring it on. That'll do it for us. R- wrapping up a thrilling. There's a game, 12 to 7. Billy getting a last thrash as an Eagles fan. FedEx Field is trash, he says in the comments. Right. No, I've been there on like several occasions, and like it's a very bad stadium. It's very bad. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. You made it out alive, Billy, so that can't be that bad. I don't know how, by the grace of God. Yeah. Amen. And it's like, it, I mean, like, I, I've, um, I, when you walk out of there, like after you cover a game, you have to park f- so far away. Like, it's like random parking. And you, you feel like it's like very sketchy in those parking lots. Like it's very dark and there's like lots of tree areas, not a lot of light. Oh, it's ugh. a lot of tree areas. Well, it's just like, <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, it just, it doesn't feel. Hey man, Dan Snyder tried to take him down and people yelled at him. So he left those up. What do you want? Okay. All right. That'll do it for us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. We got a picture in the podcast feed for tomorrow. Recap the entire week six on Sunday night. For Breach, for Wilson, I'm Prince. What are you doing, Breach? You said week six, so I'm making a six numbers. Um, I can't believe you have six figures on one hand. Uh, for Breach, for Wilson, I'm Prince, and we'll see you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.